Dear Father in Heaven, the time has come for us to fellowship with you. As we commune with you now, we ask that you will grant to us help and strength from above, that you will fill us with your spirit, edify, strengthen, and lift us up. Put your words in my mouth, dear Lord, for I have nothing to say to bless anyone. So, dear Lord, I commit myself unto your care. Consecrate me to your service. For the sake of your children, please put your words in my mouth to bless all of us. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, May 22 The People's Choice Behold the King whom ye have chosen and whom ye have desired. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13 In Saul, God had given to Israel a king after their own heart, comely in person, of noble stature, and princely bearing. His appearance accorded with their conceptions of royal dignity, and his personal valor and his ability in the conduct of armies were the qualities which they regarded as best calculated to secure respect and honor from other nations. They felt little solicitude that their king should possess those higher qualities which alone could fit him to rule with justice and equity. They did not ask for one who had true nobility of character, who possessed the love and fear of God. They had not sought counsel from God as to the qualities a ruler should possess in order to preserve their distinctive holy character as his chosen people. They were not seeking God's way but their own way. Therefore, God gave them such a king as they desired, one whose character was a reflection of their own. Their hearts were not in submission to God and their king also was unsubdued by divine grace. Under the rule of this king, they would obtain the experience necessary in order that they might see their error and return to their allegiance to God. Yet the Lord, having placed on Saul the responsibility of the kingdom, did not leave him to himself. He caused the Holy Spirit to rest upon Saul to reveal to him his own weakness and his need of divine grace. And had Saul relied upon God, God would have been with him. So long as his will was controlled by the will of God, so long as he yielded to the discipline of his spirit, God could crown his efforts with success. But when Saul chose to act independently of God, the Lord could no longer be his guide and was forced to set him aside. Then he called to the throne a man after his own heart. 1 Samuel chapter 13 verse 14 Not one who was faultless in character, but who, instead of trusting to himself, would rely upon God and be guided by his spirit, who, when he sinned, would submit to reproof and correction. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is The People's Choice. We left off in our devotion looking at the Lord submitting and permitting the children of Israel to have what they wanted, a king. 
they said specifically that they wanted to be like other nations and they rejected God as their king and they wanted a man to be their king. Samuel having selected for them the king by the direction of the Lord, he selected Saul to be their king. And the reason they wanted the king was that they had another nation that was coming after them and this nation they wanted to conquer. But they came to a point where they were tired of being in this kind of submission and slavery to other nations and felt that if we have a king, this our back and forth will not happen anymore. We will not be, we will not be kept under other nations again. The reason why we are usually um, overthrown by other nations as has been happening since they came into Canaan, they felt that the reason was that they were lacking something and that was a king. And so they said they wanted a king. Instead of them to realize that the problem with them was actually their sins, they said they wanted a king. So after they selected a king, after Saul was used to conquer one particular nation, Samuel in his old age came to address them and rehearsed their history for them. In the book of Samuel, chapter first Samuel chapter twelve, verse eight, downward he says, When Jacob was coming to Samuel said to them, when Jacob was coming to Egypt, and your fathers cried unto the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, which brought forth your fathers out of Egypt, and made them dwell in this place. And when they forget the Lord their God, he sold them into the hand of Caesarea, captain of the host of Hazor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. And they cried unto the Lord, and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord, and have served Balim and Ashtaroth. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies, and we will serve thee. And the Lord sent Jerubal, and Bedan, and Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you dwelt safe. And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the children of Ammon, came against you, this is the one that Saul fought, okay, when they saw him, you said unto me, Nay, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Now therefore, behold the king whom you have chosen, and whom you have desired. And behold, the Lord hath set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice, and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both you and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you, as it was against your fathers. Now therefore, stand and see this great thing, which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call unto the Lord, and he shall send thunder and rain, that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking you a king. So Samuel called unto the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said unto Samuel, Pray for thy servants unto the Lord thy God, that we die not. For we have added unto all our sins this evil to ask us a king. And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not. You have done all this wickedness. Yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord your God with all your heart. And turn ye not aside, for then should you go after vain things, which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. 
For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it had pleased the Lord to make you his people. Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he has done for you. But if you shall do wickedly, you shall be consumed, both you and your king. So what was the people's choice? It was something according to their human wisdom. It was something that was not for their best interest. It was something not for their good. And the Lord showed his displeasure against them when Samuel was talking to them and said, I was going, I'm going to show you a sign now. And he said, is it not wheat harvest today? Of course, that was during the time when rain is not supposed to be falling. And he said, you will see now that there will be thunder and rain. And there was thunderings and the rain was downpouring upon them. And then they knew that the Lord was displeased with them. But the lesson that we will look at from here, I'll just go through them one by one. The first thing is that we see the error in the children of Israel where they were not even looking for a king that was godly or one that was going to follow the principles of God's word. But they wanted a king that would just be like the kings of the nations around them. All they were looking for was physical qualities. They were not looking for spiritual qualification. And the Lord gave them what they wanted. You want a man who is tall, big and all of that? There you have him. The Lord selected the best of them for them. And they were pleased with what the Lord selected. We'll look at that more in tomorrow's devotion. But the lesson that I want us to see from here, one by one, is what how the Lord dealt with the children of Israel when they did this error. In our human interrelationships, we come to situations where as we walk together, there is a difference of opinion and decisions are to be made. One decision is wrong and the other is right, or both seem to be right in both people's eyes. Here we see here we see how the Lord dealt with the children of Israel when they requested for what they wanted, even when he knew that he was right. God selected Saul for them. Saul was in the image of what they wanted, so that was what God did, giving give them what they wanted. So reading from Conflict and Courage, page 148, paragraph 3, we are told that for Saul, as long as his will was controlled by the will of God, so long as he yielded to the discipline of the Spirit of God, God could crown his efforts with success. The lessons we learn from here, firstly, is when we insist on what we want, the Lord will give us what we want, but it will not be for our good. But he does it so that we can be made to see our error and perhaps repent from it. Secondly, the lesson we learn is that we should not insist on what we like so that we can have it. We should ask God's counsel, humble ourselves. For a child, humble yourself. For a job, humble yourself. For a spouse, do not trust yourself. Trust God. Ask his counsel. Do not urge your wishes on God ask for his will to be done in sickness ask for his will to be done in health ask for his will to be done are you in prison ask for the will of god to be done are you in poverty ask for the will of god to be done you can't tell the lord this is what you want but don't press it upon the lord as if that's the best thing as if you know that's the best for you some people want a child or that's a job or that's a spouse and they don't want to hear no from the lord 
they only want to hear yes. That is not the way to behave. We should leave room for the will of God to be done. For that is how to be humble towards God. You don't know what is best for you. So even if sometimes you may be making a mistake in requesting for something, like the children of Israel, they wanted a king. They didn't say, Lord, let your will be done. They just asked for a king and insisted that they must have what they wanted. That is a bad character. We shouldn't behave like that towards God. Because if you do, you may be asking for the wrong thing. And the Lord will give you what you asked for and you will regret it. So that's one other lesson we learn. The third lesson we will learn is that we should walk from cause to effect. What caused the children of Israel to be in oppression was not the absence of a king. It was their disobedience. Therefore, the solution preferred was supposed to be, obe- was supposed to be obedience. But what did the children of Israel do? Their own solution was to have a king. This showed that they were blaming God for their misfortunes. In saying that they wanted a king, they were trying to say that it was God's leadership that was causing their oppression. If only we have a king like the rest of the world, then we will not be under oppression to uh, the oppression of our enemies. If only they had something the world had, they would earn the world's respect. That's what they thought. But was this the source of their trouble? Was it a lack of a king that was their trouble? It was disobedience. It was their departure from right principles. That was their seven other gods. But now, they chose to go into further disobedience by choosing a king for themselves. And yet, they were thinking that this was going to be the solution to their previous disobedience. What a travesty. Such an absurdity to behold. Following the pattern of Cain. Rejecting the thing that keeps showing you your weakness so that you can feel good about yourself. You know, that was what Cain did. When he was rejected of God and his, his sacrifice was rejected, what did he do? To, in his mind, it's to hell with sacrifices. I'm not doing it again. And that was what these children of Israel were doing. Thinking that the problem was with the system. Instead of looking at the problem as themselves, they, said they decided to bring modifications into the system instead of changing themselves. We see churches today doing the same thing. When some people feel, oh, the church is dead, we need a revival. Instead of them to change their own lives and realize that the death stupor on the church comes from the world, worldliness that has crept in, from the lack of spirituality in its individual members, what do they do? Instead of pointing fingers at themselves and saying, we are the problem, they say, oh, no. We, the problem with our church why we are not growing is because we are not like the world we need to change things let us renovate the church building let us bring this in let us bring that in but all the while they remain the same in their own character all they are trying to do is bring in this and bring in that change the windows paint the church bring in AC bring in new projector change the curtains change the decoration change everything except themselves and then they think that that's what will bring a change in the house of God Is it those things that really need to be touched? Is it the system that needs to be touched? And after changing the articles of the church, then they now try to change the system of worship. We need to make the church lively, they will say. Let us bring in this style of worship and that style of worship, thinking that that's where the problem is. The children of Israel thought that the problem was in the system. Instead of looking to their lives and knowing that the problem was in their own departure from God, their disobedience from God, but blamed God, saying it is his system that is the problem. Let us change the system. You know, the way we worship is too old school. It is too old time religion. Let us change it to the modern type. And when we change it to the modern type, you will see that now we will start having so-called victories. Today we see it happening around us. Go to the churches. When they want to do a revival, oh, this church is dead and people start to do things, all external stuff. But nobody changes their lives. That is a false revival. 
we should learn the lesson that when we find ourselves under oppression, because the children of Israel were under oppression, and because of this oppression, they said, we need a king. No more. We need a king. All this oppression we've been facing since we entered Canaan, it needs to come to an end. The problem is in the system. And then they rejected God. Do you know that when you change your beliefs and your systems and try to bring in Babylonian practices into the church, that is exactly what we are doing. Rejecting God and saying that it is a system that is the problem. The lack of growth in the church is because of the system. Not realizing that the lack of growth is in the lives of the individuals who have conformed to worldly practices. That's a lesson for us to learn. The revival should come in our lives, not in changing the system that God has ordained. Another beautiful, beautiful lesson that I learn from this incident, every time I read this story of the children of Israel requesting a king, it, it teaches me a lesson over and over again. It just reiterates what I have learned, which is this. God has a very beautiful character. Look at what he did. When they rejected him, he didn't get angry with them. He let them have what they wanted. Sometimes it is good to let people have their choice, even though we know that it is not for their good. The relationship between God and the children of Israel is a relationship that is like a, well, the most intimate relationship, which is the marriage relationship. In Jeremiah th- chapter 3, verse 14, look at what the Lord said about them. He said, Turn, O backsliding children, said the Lord, for I am married unto you. I will take you one of a city and two of a family and i will bring you to zion so the lord looked at the children of israel and today he looks at christianity in the same way i am married unto you then again in the book of isaiah 54 verse 5 it says for thy maker is thine husband so when we look at god's relation with the children of israel we see the relationship between husband and wife and the lord allowed his wife to do what you want to do Sometimes it is good to do things like that. The Lord did not forsake them when they made the wrong choice. Samuel himself said that he was not going to cease praying for them despite their mistake and great sin in choosing for themselves a king. The damage was already done. The people were hell-bent, hell-bent on following their wrong course of action. And so the Lord let them have what they wanted, waiting for the day when they will realize themselves and will use the opportunity to correct them or just work with what they have and see how they can still make things work out. This lesson is so invaluable for me. In our earthly relationships, we should be careful not to refuse people because we have disagreements in certain areas of our lives, but especially in marriage, this should be practiced. Don't say to your spouse, I will not work with you anymore because of this or that choice you know that uh, you made this choice wrongly. See how you can still work with that wrong choice. Reach the same goal that you intended to achieve. God yielded to the children of Israel. We must also be yielding. Now, take note that this advice does not apply to things like when maybe your spouse or child or friend chooses to do something that is directly contrary to the commandments of god we are not saying now that you should join them in doing that thing no that's not what i'm saying rather what i'm saying is 
after one has protested against the decision in the way like how Samuel protested by showing why that decision is not good. Don't just let them go like that uh, without telling them why it is not a right decision. You can tell your wife or your husband, your spouse or your friend or your, your child. Let, explain yourself and tell them this is not the right decision. But when you see that um, the person is insisting on going in that direction, there comes a time when one has to yield not because you want to join them in doing that thing they are doing but so the kind of decisions that are being referred to here like i just gave an example is in maybe a child wants to get married to someone that the parent doesn't want them to get married to it's those kind of decisions because the parent is not going to be in the marriage they are not going to join the child they are not going to be involved directly in the marriage but at least if the child has made a decision you don't like your wife has made a decision you don't like or the husband or the friend we are to not neglect the person i'm not saying that you should like feel now that the decision they made is right or join someone in sin no that's not what i'm saying the examples that this apply to are things like i just mentioned the, the decision somebody wants to make maybe in a career in the choice of a of a spouse those kind of decisions not decisions that are blatantly sinful if they are blatantly sinful of course you do the same thing you protest and when they have made that sinful decision, look at how Israel was. Whenever they went into idolatry, God did not work with them in idolatry, never. He didn't say to them, okay, I'll accept your idolatry. He didn't do that. But when it was the time of accepting the king and making a king, he let it be. Why? Because there are two different kinds of decisions here. But the decision is not good. Just as marrying someone that the parent knows this is not the best, it is in and of itself may not be a sin. But when you see that maybe the child is headstrong or in another decision of you know the kind of things i'm saying now they are not things that are blatantly sinful these are decisions that you know that it is not going to end well the decision in and of itself is not looking as though it is bad but you know in wisdom that this is not going to end well because the word of god says it is better for example to marry a believer not to marry an unbeliever or it is better to live in the country not in the city or it is better to have this particular career and not this other one it doesn't mean that the other is sinful now the one who is a christian you understand you've protested let it be after some time when you see that the person is going in that direction now because you know just like israel choosing a king it was a sin yes the lord said samuel said you have made you have you have sinned against the lord but it was a kind of sin where after they had made it the lord could say no problem i will try and work with what you have chosen so also that's what i'm saying that when someone has made the choice that seems to be wrong even sinful there are times when we judge the situation and we say no problem i will see how i can work with you in this particular decision that you have made but of course this will not apply to things like like i said choosing other gods idolatry um blatantly going against the commandments of god for example to kill to steal to commit adultery and you say oh, okay i'll work with you on the fact that since you you want to kill i'll work let's let's see how it will work out after you've killed the person or after you've stolen no 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 that's not what i'm referring to it's so other things like this issue of them choosing a king can apply to like i mentioned somebody getting married or a career or a choice of the location they want to stay all these kind of things even if you know that okay this is not the best decision this person is making yet after they have made the decision you don't support decision but after they have made it you can say no problem let's see how we can still work together in this particular way that you have chosen and even they may see that the decision they made is wrong 
and they cannot reverse it. Perhaps it's a, ma- a spouse, a career. It's not something that can easily be reversed. What do you do? After they have realized themselves, still work hard with the person, with your spouse or with your friend. Work hard with them after they have realized themselves to see how they can still achieve their goal. That is to be in the image of God. Reading from Adventist Home, page 118, paragraph 4, we are told, Neither the husband nor the wife should attempt to exercise over the other an arbitrary control. Do not try to compel each other to yield to your wishes. You cannot do this and retain each other's love. Be kind, patient and forbearing, considerate and courteous. By the grace of God, you can succeed in making each other happy, as in your marriage vow you promise to do. Let each graciously yield. In the married life, men and women sometimes act like undisciplined, perverse children. The husband wants his way and the wife wants her way and neither is willing to yield. Such a condition of things can bring only the greatest unhappiness. Both husband and wife should be willing to yield his or her opinion or way. There is no possibility of happiness while they both persist in doing as they please. Unless men and women have learned of Christ, his meekness and lowliness, they will reveal the impulsive, unreasonable spirit so often revealed by children. The strong, undisciplined will will seek to rule. Such ones need to study the words of Paul. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. End of quote. So, what is the lesson here? The Lord knew that his wife, the children of Israel, the decision they were making was wrong. He knew that the right decision is to not have a king. And he sent Samuel, protest with them, and Samuel spoke in God's stead. In the place of God, Samuel protested. So God actually protested and said, no, this choice is wrong. This is what it's going to lead to. If you have a king, he's going to take your daughters, he's going to take your sons, he's going to take your other children and they were making weapons for him and so many things that would just go wrong. But the woman said, no, we want that king. She was not yielding. What did the Lord do? After protesting and showing every reason why that decision should not be taken, someone had to yield. Israel was pushing their own idea and God was protesting against it and Israel would not budge. And what did God do? He said, okay, no problem, I'll give you what you want. And he gave them what they wanted. Not only did he give them what they wanted, he still said, I will walk with it. What you have chosen, I will walk with it nevertheless. It teaches us a lesson in human relationships. Whether as friends or in the most intimate of them, as spouses, husband and wife, you come to this situation where both see their way as the right way. Someone has to yield. The right thing here was for Israel to yield. But even God yielded to Israel when Israel insisted on having their way. Now, in this, we learn the lesson as friends. Don't push your ideas on people. Be there to work with them. Sometimes your friends may make the wrong decision. And you may protest and say, no, this is wrong. When they have made the wrong decision, don't shut them away from your life. God did not shut Israel away from his life and say, since you made this decision, I will not do anything with you again. No. He said, I will keep walking with you. In fact, when Samuel was speaking in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 12, reading from verse 
20 he says and samuel said unto the people fear not you have done all this wickedness yet turn not aside from following the lord but serve the lord with all your hearts and turn you not aside for then should you go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver for they are vain for the lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake because it had pleased the lord to make you his people moreover as for me God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth with all your heart. So, what lesson is this here? Maybe your child has chosen to marry someone that you disapprove of. What do you do after they've made that decision? Even though you feel their decision was wrong, keep praying for them and keep showing them the right way. But don't throw them aside and say, I will not do anything with you. Even the Lord, he said, I will not forsake you. He tried to work with that decision that they have made. Even though it was a wrong one, he was not trying to see how it will fail. For some people, they will feel, okay, since you didn't follow my advice, you see that this is your decision will fail. And they will just sit back and watch to see the decision fail. That's not the spirit of Christ. What did the Lord do? After they had made the wrong decision, he said, I will keep working with you nevertheless. I will continue working with you. I won't forsake you. Even though I know you made the wrong child, I'll keep working with you. Work with your child. Work with your wife. Work with your husband. If they have chosen to make a wrong decision, no problem. Don't force it. After you've protested, no problem. Then, try to work with them to see how you can still achieve the goal that you wanted to achieve in the first place when you were telling them to take your advice. Don't make... Don't think that you want to show that you were right. Therefore, you are just wishing, secretly hoping that that one way will fail. That is not good. Rather, in your heart, wait for them. Walk with them. Try your best to see how things can work out so that things will still go well in that relationship. Whether it is your friend or your spouse or your child, this is an invaluable lesson I learned from this place. And you know that when if you do this when they get into trouble they will be able to confide in you and you'll be there to help them but if you shut them out of your life just because of something a decision they took that was contrary to your own advice how do you expect them to come and ask you for advice when things have gone wrong since you shut them out of your life that's not the best way to do things the lord did not shut israel out of his life when they rejected him he continued to work with them let us still work with our spouses with our children with our parents, with our friends, when you know they have done a wrong thing, try to see how you can, even in that decision, see how things will work out. But if it doesn't work out, at least they will see that you love them and they can confide in you and you will help them in a time of distress. So that's one invaluable lesson I learned from here that will help us in our human relationships. In all, we should learn, finally, that it is best for us to follow the will of God and not to push for our own will to be done. I pray that we all would learn this lesson and put it into practice. Let us pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for the lessons you've taught us today. Please help us, Lord, not to be so concerned about our own choice and pushing it upon you. I pray, Lord, that you give us a humble spirit to do your will above our own will, to select your ways above our ways, and help us, Lord, to have your character that even though people may not follow our advice, we will still work with them and try to see the best that can come out of the choice that they have made, that we may be like our Father in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers and thank you for answering. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.